It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Gopalan, Peter V.S. Bond, and Brian Gildenberg explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG Guys. Hello and welcome to the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omnichannel digital journey of brands and retailers. I'm your co-host, PBSB, and we're recording today's episode from fabulous Viva Las Vegas, where the CPG guys will be attending this year's Shop Talk conference. As per usual, I'm joined for today's episode by my fellow co-founder of the CPG guys. I call him the Wizard of Woodland Hills, a.k.a. The tornado zone of Southern California. What's going on there, man? You're like floods, tornadoes. It's like lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. You're scaring me. But anyhow, uh, of course, I'm talking about the man known as Shri. Shri, how you doing? What's going on in Southern California, man? Welcome, CPG Guys listeners. <laughs> Wait, the are you channeling your own Andrea Lay? There we doing? go. I'm doing the fresh four thing. I know. 
I know. But I think the shock, the tornado, and the excitement is how I'd like to word it, is yeah. not what's going on in California today. It's our special guest, because he's going to hit up our favorite topic. What's that? Retail media networks. Oh, we, we like retail and media. I hear he's got a ton of data, and data. he's brought it all into Insights. And he just released a report, so that's what the action is, and I can't wait so to get not, started. He's going to he's going to he's going to share knowledge with us. And Isn't you know, that what the CPG guys? Well, about you know, you ever, you ever see the old TV, the old uh, movie Animal House, and it was set at this mythical school favorite college. And at the beginning of the movie, the camera pans down, and there's a statue of the founder of of Faber College, Emil Faber, and his quote is, "Knowledge is good." Knowledge is So wisdom. today we're going to have some good knowledge. There we go. Uh, before we get to our guest, thank you, Sri. I want to remind our audience to visit cpgguys.com where you can find links to our podcast on all the major and minor podcast platforms. And if you're not already doing so, please follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, we have new content there literally every single day of the week. It's why we've got over 20,000 followers on our LinkedIn page. We're really grateful for that. So please do, uh, please do go to, go to LinkedIn and uh, search for CPG guys. When you get to our page, click the blue follow button. Uh, also subscribe to the other podcasts in our family. We've got the FMCG guys over in Europe. We've got CPG scoop here with Risa and Jennifer. And of course our new podcast, CPG guys fast forward, starring our very own Brian Gildenberg. Um, we're also very proud to be official sponsors of Next Up, formerly Network of Executive Women, whose mission it is to advance all women in business and promote gender equality in the workplace. Uh, as I mentioned, we are formal sponsors, and we have 50 memberships this year to give away, Shri, 50, and we're trying to give them to female entrepreneurs or women who work at companies that are not part of Next Up. If you would like to learn more about this and, and would like to avail yourselves of one of these free memberships, just email us at contact at cpgguys.com and we'll see what we can do about getting you set up because we think this is a, a tremendous resource for education, networking, and what have you. And we are such big fans of Next Up. The digital liner notes of this episode contain hyperlinks to our site, the other collective podcast sites, our LinkedIn page, and of course our landing page on Next Up. So, Shri, why don't we uh, put all of the pleasantries away and let's just get down to business, get out the uh, the spotlight. Go ahead, say it. It's customary. Let's get ready to rumble. You are so I good. I can't do it like him. Well, we're in Vegas. You, should you, know, be... you know what I'd really like to say? I I'm now what... batting number two, Derek Jeter. Je Jeter? I'm not getting employed at Jeter, Yankee Stadium the or WWF. Jeter, Jeter, Jeter. Uh, here, uh, you want to really start a baseball team? No, I don't want to. How did your team do last year in the playoffs? Uh, better than yours. One worse than Yankees. Okay. First round elimination reminder. <laughs> and you're not even going to Dodgers opening day. I, I am. Shameful. Okay. Let's move Shameful. on. Shameful. He turned me on. down. Let's move on. All right. This is our guest's second appearance on the podcast. He serves as principal analyst at Insider Intelligence, the leading research data and insights provider that helps companies maximize revenue and anticipate digital disruption. He's just published a terrific new report that deals with, as Shri mentioned, this podcast's favorite topic, retail media. The report is entitled In-Store Retail Media 2023, Why Brands Should Use Physical Stores as the Next Major Media Channel. Here to speak about this report and retail media more broadly is our friend, Andrew Lipsman. Andrew, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Peter. Shri, great to be with you again. Uh, we're excited to have you here, and as we mentioned, this is our favorite topic. So I didn't know that. I know Wait, you would know that. that. Shocking. Can you believe it? As Shocking. a regular listener. I, yeah, for sure. Let's Shock declare publicly, <laughs> Andrew. Andrew, what is our favorite topic on the CPG, guys? 
Retail Media Network. Hey, hey, hey. There we, we got go. the man for the show today. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. All right. Uh, hey, Andrew, before we get to the questions we've prepared uh, for you today, why don't you give us uh, and our audience a brief overview of insider intelligence and what your role is there? Yeah, so I'm a principal analyst covering retail and e-commerce, uh, but I do come from a background of digital advertising. So as e-commerce and advertising intersect, uh, that has taken me down the path of retail media. So I've spent, I would say this 70 to 80% of my time these days is on retail media specifically. Um, insider intelligence, many people may know e-marketer. Uh, insider intelligence is the evolution of that. We provide data, forecasts, research, and insights on all things digital and digital transformation. Thank you. That's very helpful. So to our audience, you don't have to write any of that down in the digital liner notes of this episode. You'll find a link to Andrew's LinkedIn page, Insider Intelligence on LinkedIn, Insider Intelligence website, and specifically this in-store media retail report will have a link so people can figure out exactly how they can get their hands on this great report. I'm going to put a plug in for eMarketer Yeah, because I'm going to go back a decade in history. Yeah, And when I first when got a 12. role in e-commerce, <laughs> I was in the Dollar Drug Convenience Channel for Frito, and I was asked to start up this e-commerce thing. And I actually thought my career was not going to head in a good trajectory. But to write a uh, strategy back then, the best form of insights and data that I had was really came down to e-marketer reports. And man, that was my clutch to write a strategy for Frito and PepsiCo back then a decade ago. Since then, I've been married to eMarketer to get my insights and every LinkedIn post I follow pretty carefully. Well, thank you for that. And also, um, you know, I was an eMarketer customer and I worked with them uh, for years before I joined the company. And what I would say is that's really, I think, when we're at our best as analysts and as a company is what we are helping to make the case for where things are going and providing education and distilling concepts and into insights that are digestible and can be shared with organizations so you can get organizational buy-in. Well, we are going to depend on that skill set. We're actually going to push you a little more, Andrew, because I think what we're going to ask you is not only what came out of this report, but from your position, your opinion, what should brands be doing? How should they be activating based on this information? So let's get to the questions Shree and I have prepared. I'm going to kick off the first one. And of course, it's retail media. You know, it's an expanding channel, very rapidly expanding, I might add. Um, In-store media, I would say, is probably the least developed segment within this channel. What prompted you to publish this report at this time? I mean, is in-store media starting to emerge as a viable and scalable options for brands and retailers? Yes, but I also agree that it is the most nascent. There are a lot of retail media opportunities, and I'll uh, I'll backtrack very quickly just to say like the big growth levers that I see in the future are one moving up the funnel. So we started with search. It's moving up the funnel into display and video and streaming TV, huge opportunity. The next one is what happens when we bring retailers offline attribution data into the equation. The third one is in-store retail media. And I'd put that one kind of on the back burner, but I started to put some content out there when I got some data from a great partner of mine, Placer AI. And I'd ask them, you've got the shopper traffic data. Can you convert that into unique audience data? Let's start thinking about shopper traffic as audiences, like media. And they did it. And I took that data and I stacked it against digital audiences for some of the top retailers. And what did we find? It's that these 
in-store audiences are in many cases much bigger. Um, in fact, in, in this report, I shared an analysis of 13 major brick and mortar retailers. And on average, their in-store audience was 70% bigger. Now, wow. digital is what got us here to a $45 billion sure. industry. 70% bigger audiences are in-store. So you can see the scale of the opportunity. Um, but it's nascent. It's small. We're, we're actually working on our first forecast of the space right now. And we're not talking about a huge segment of digital advertising, but I have a lot of conviction that it's going to become something that scales uh, in a big way. I think it's really interesting because I will we'll get to some of the details of the questions, but in your report, you, you mentioned a particular group called the unreachables. Yes. Who are they and why is in-store retail media particularly important? So I'm putting this in the, in the context or the construct of media and and to me, the, the closest parallel is TV. So TV has always been the reach medium. Uh, talking about linear television. Linear, 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 linear television. television. And you know this is how you reach huge audiences quickly and the right audiences. What's the money demo in TV? 18 to 49-year-olds, yeah. right? Well, guess what? 18 to 49-year-olds, if they're watching TV these days, it's, it's not linear TV that often. It's hard to reach them there. It's very cost prohibitive. CPMs, advertising rates have gone through. I know you have to define your, your acronyms. CPMs, the, the cost per, to reach a thousand, uh, people is, it's, it's exorbitant. It's going through the roof. So as those TV dollars need somewhere better to go, the question is, where is that going to be? And I think stores are providing the next major media channel. Um, they provide scale contextual relevance, brand safety, many of the same things that TV offers, not the same storytelling format, but still good quality experiences. And so I think that's really the construct of how I'm thinking about it. So if we're going to think about it like TV, we need to talk the language of TV, 18 to 49 year olds. You can't reach them on linear TV anymore. You can reach them in stores. Yeah. Andrew, first of all, welcome to the CPG guys. Thanks for making time to chat with us. For audience, a reminder that Andrew recently put out a report on retail media networks. And uh, for those of you that haven't seen it yet, the link will be in the digital liner notes of this podcast, as Peter mentioned. I love guests who come to the show and have actually listened to our episodes because there's two things here Andrew hit out of the park. A, he knew what our favorite topic is. And second, when he said CPM, he knew here on the CPG guys, you got to decompose the acronyms. So keeping that as my backdrop over here, what were your primary sources uh, to actually compile this report? And then how do you go about determining the research? You will need to produce meaningful insights such as a report like this. Yeah. So it was an audience measurement report. So I talked to, and I used data from Placer AI and Comscore to fill in those gaps. There was some great research that, that's been done by the IAB, the Path to Purchase Institute. So those are a couple of my key sources. Uh, but also it's the people. I've been talking to people across the industry who are playing in the space. And as I said, I, the first time I even put out some of this data showing the scale of in-store audiences, I got swarmed on LinkedIn. And I was like, not surprised, Andrew. Oh, okay. I think I struck a chord here. I need to, I need to go a little bit deeper. Um, and, and I talked to more and more people. So many companies, by the way, that I wasn't aware of have come out of the woodwork. So I'm learning so much every day. I've had great conversations here at Shop Talk already with some companies in the space. Um, there's something here and a lot of other people are seeing the opportunity. So what I wanted to do is take advantage of the opportunity that I see and try and pull the pieces together, distill it and make it meaningful. Um, and then I would say in, 
to editorialize on the right way to go about this because I, I see the huge opportunity. I think it's also uh, fraught with potential landmines. I can see us really going down the wrong path because advertising in store has the potential to create a real tension with the customer experience and retailers who, uh, to their credit, really think about customer experience first. There's a way to do in-store retail media um, that that honors the customer, the brands, and is good for the retailer as well. I just want to make sure that they navigate that that tightrope as they seek this opportunity. By the way, I couldn't agree more with you that there's a big opportunity here. And um, I'm, I have the same conviction as you. The other thing I reflect on is retailers have actually invested capital to build their in-store network over decades, especially the larger ones who've got 500, 400 plus, 250 plus stores in the network, right? You are right about the landmines issue, which is customer experience could change completely. But I personally think it's a miss that most retailers have invested in their retail media network to scale their website in a big way, which they needed to do over COVID because that's where the action was. But as traffic comes back, they haven't shown the same level of excitement to activate this in-store. Yeah. So, Andrew, let's actually get to those opportunities. Specifically, I'd like you to address what are the major opportunities that this report is identifying? And uh, let me lead this with something we talked about before we started recording this episode. Is the opportunity for in-store media like what it is in on-site and off-site, which is personalization? Or is it something different than that based upon what you're seeing? So I think personalization uh, is not what should be the starting point for this conversation. Think of this first as a mass reach, mass media channel, that if you are a brand and you just did scalable brand advertising, the same creative across every format, every store, that that would be a reasonable starting point. And um, that would also create a, a good quality customer experience in store. Personalization, where I think it can come in is there are consumers who will want to opt in through loyalty programs. There will be kind of plugins um, or maybe interactive experiences where you can interact with digital media and provide some first party data in, in some sort of value exchange. So I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I just think that if we go down the personalization trap, uh, we're going to end up in a bad place and, and it could be dystopian um, where, you know, it often goes into this minority report view of the world where if you do highly targeted advertising in store based on who that person is that you know at the moment they walk by, um, I think that's where it can start to feel a little bit creepier and intrusive. You don't need to go there. Um, I think there are ways to to have the best of both worlds, start with scale, high quality experience, and and then maybe let them opt in to more personalization. And we, we covered dystopian. This is great work. That's where I was going to go. And, <laughs> and now so, for another episode of The Handmaid's Tale. Well, you went with Handmaid's Tale. I was going to say, should we call it the Retail Media Network Games? I like RMG, that. Ooh, RMG. I like that. Retail Media Games. May the odds be ever in May your the favor. first Retail Media Games begin. Bing. Sorry, we go down these I wish rabbit I had a holes. We're sorry. Andrew. I wish I had a gong. <laughs> Please forgive us. Uh, so now I want to come back to your report. And so, first of all, thank you for publishing it. I, I believe it was overdue, so the timing can be greater. Take us to some of the key findings of your report, especially related to this digitization of the store, and uh, connect it back to high-quality branding. So brands have a, have a role here as well. Yeah, well, it's a huge opportunity 
So I, when I first started this report, the question is, who's my audience? Am I writing this for retailers or am I writing this for brands? And I said, you know what? I probably have a second report that I'll write for retailers, but right now I'm writing this for brands. Okay. I want brands to see the opportunity and I want them to see this as a media channel. And I want to convince them that there's potential for high quality, as I said, contextually relevant brand safe, uh, experiences that are akin to linear TV and, and it can reach the unreachables and can, right. So everything that they're starting to lose drip by drip in linear TV re, in-store media can help fill that void and it can drive branding and performance. Um, but I want them actually to, there's an inclination to go right to performance. I do an ad in store. Can I see the sales lift in store? Fine. Do that. Think branding first though, make sure that you're implementing uh, audience measurement, brand lift measurement, do all the things that you do in branding media for this in-store media. That's the right way to think. And I think that the order really matters here. That's great. Hey, I want to remind our audience that we're speaking with Andrew Lifson. He's the principal analyst at Insider Intelligence. All right, let's talk because we made reference to it earlier. Why don't you help dimensionalize the size of in-store audiences at some of the major retailers? It would be really helpful. So this is a medium that has tremendous scale. If, if you look at some of the top retailers, um, they have tens of millions to hundreds of millions of people that are reachable in store every month. Walmart, over 200 million a month, Target, over 100 million. Um, Kroger, about 100 million. So, I mean, this is the sort of thing, right? These are Super Bowl levels. Now, fine. Super Bowl can reach 100 million in, in one, uh, but, one but airing. 200 million... In unique. one month compared to a hundred million once a year. One time. Right. And and they're doing that every month or something similar to that every month. Um, now this data <clears throat> now this data was from November, so maybe it was slightly elevated given that it was a holiday season from a typical month, but I've looked at other months of data and they're not far off from from these numbers. So just tremendous scale. Wow. Um, so I think that's the starting point why I say it's a mass reach vehicle. And it, especially if you're in grocery, you know, it's not just about reach over 30 days. It's, it's the ability to reach, to build reach efficiently and quickly. That's what big TV shows do is that you can reach tens of millions of people in one airing, or at least you used to be able to do that in the eighties and nineties. Um, for grocery, people are shopping there sometimes, sometimes multiple times a week. So you can build that reach much more efficiently. That reach is so hard to build on, on linear TV today. And it's not only just that they're shopping at a specific retailer three times a week, they're shopping many retailers. So I look at it like I would look at television, right? It's about how many times can you deliver an impression to the same audience over a period of time that gets you the results that you need. I look at it as the promise of scale for a brand that's looking not just to activate it as a trade marketing initiative, but as a branding initiative, they're going to be able to deliver this impression at retailer A, at retailer B, at retailer C. And if they have that scale capability, that's where it's going to take over for the linear TV that you've been mentioned. The drip, drip, drip of loss has been occurring. Yes. And just like a network can, can boast a huge audience reach, you're not if you're a brand just buying across that network. So, so that's great for that network's value proposition. But as a CPG brand, I'm thinking about how many people can I reach? How quickly across Walmart, Target, Kroger, and whatever other retailers I, I'm running a, a campaign against. And, and the reality is they're going to be able to reach a lot of people very quickly. Do you think that this provides 
an increase in relevance for some of the regional and super regional players as well. If they can, if they can build into this ability to deliver um, retail media in store, that it gives them some of the relevance that they may have lost during the pandemic. Absolutely. It's a huge monetization opportunity. Thank you for asking that question because I didn't even have a chance to touch on this in my report, but it's a a big uh, sub-theme to this kind of migration of TV dollars, which is that you have local TV advertising and the ability to transfer some of those dollars into regional stores. Significant, significant opportunities. And you're talking about potentially non-endemic advertisers, not just CPG brands as well. So it's a big opportunity for retailers. but yeah, I mean, local TV advertising is is significant. So I, I think it's a great play for them. Yeah, if you and I think about markets like San Antonio or Rochester, New York, where if you're not playing with one of those 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 regional retailers, you know, if you are, then you've got the actual audience because they have very dominant positions in those marketplaces. It's not just yeah, there's Walmart, yeah, there's Target, but if you really want to get the frequency, the frequency of visits are happening at those retailers. Yeah. And, and you, you can both do a local ad buy essentially in a retailer, but also there's probably going to be aggregation opportunities to aggregate multiple regional retailers and, and do an aggregated buy so that you can get that national reach if you want to do it that way. Yeah, no, we were just talking, um, in a, just a recent episode with shock Torm from Vescom and, and what they're, what they've been able to do is build out at scale the ability to deliver branded messaging on all those shelf tags that get produced and change literally every week. There is an opportunity to take your branding into a physical store. So things like that or digital shelf ads or video screens in the store. There's just so much opportunity. There's so many surfaces. It's yeah. front of I store. That. Surfaces. That's a really that's a key word, Shree. We gotta we gotta Di- key I, I on couldn't agree more, digital right? surfaces, front of the store, yeah. checkout aisle. Uh the cooler doors. Co- cooler doors. Yeah. You've got smart carts that have that have screens. And that's where some of the personalization can plug in. There's and let's not forget our smartphones, which we all bring into the store when it's connected to the app and it understands you're in a store. Like I know when I bring my Walmart app into a Walmart store store, that's when the scan and go feature appears. It's not doesn't appear outside the store. I have to imagine there's a there's a connection to the in-store media that's occurring on your phone while you're walking a physical store. That's right. Um end cap. Yeah. Think about the value of the end cap. You can have interactive end caps. I mean all of these surfaces really high, highly valuable places and can do it without really being all that different than the store experience today, just, just with the ability of, to have, you know, dynamic creative. I, I look at what, I look at what companies like Alta are doing right now, right? Alta, Alta's great in that in a physical store, you can go test things. In the digital environment, you can learn more about the product. You can get research and details. You can read product reviews. What they're trying to do is bridge that gap and you bring your mobile phone into the store and almost just kind of like use it as an as a uh, an oracle where you just wave it over the product and up pops all of that conversion driving content and that becomes an element that bridges the gap for the digital in-store media component that's i think the real promise that that in-store media presents us with yeah and m- mobile will definitely be an enabler it's connective yeah. tissue between all of these channels so we probably want to dive in. I love the word surfaces, and we probably want to go there next. What specifically did your research tell you about what catches the attention of in-store shoppers? Clearly, it's got to be surfaces, making them want to learn more about brands. 
Yeah. Well, so top of the list, which I'm not surprised to see was people like deals and promotions. Sure. Um, shocking, but, Peter. Shocking, deals right? and promotions, right. especially at these. I'm times. shocked to learn that there's gambling in this establishment. Oh, wait, we're in Las Vegas. <laughs> Never mind. But I was also encouraged that some of the top responses were about having dynamic and engaging creative. Yeah. They want to learn about new products. They want to learn about new brands. Um, they, there's, they also want things that give them reminders for their trip. So it's really about saving time and money, but also learning about uh, new new brands and experiences. So, I mean, that's, that's a sweet spot well, for, you, for any brand. If you think about that, just like the first item, which is values, deals, savings, right? It all depends upon the eye of the beholder. For some shoppers, value is is defined as I've saved money. For other shoppers, value is determined, to your point, about that new product that is solving a problem that I have, that's an issue that I'm trying to address, that it, that gives me, makes me feel better about myself. So being able to address that is is something that delivers value to those consumers who aren't driven by, I want a cheaper product. Fair to say they're looking for innovation. Yeah. 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 Well, if you look, I know from my experience, having worked in at a major drug retailer, that there was a customer segment, a behavioral customer segment that was not driven by price. In fact, they had the lowest incident of discount in transactions. But what they did like was content. They liked trying new products. They loved innovation. And so finding ways to be able to deliver that in a meaningful way at retail is what the promise from my perspective of in-store retail media presents. Look, with Andrew's insights from the report and us now coining the term surfaces from yeah. the Webster's Dictionary. Can we can we trademark that? I think we can. I think we can. So I think we already did. Wikipedia well, took it before we did, us. Andrew didn't see we already did. Sorry. No, did, my, did my challenge to retailers here is the investment of capital made in the in-store model the focus on retail media, the retail media teams of retailers now need to figure out exactly what Andrew said. Yep. How do you connect those services in a customer experience friendly way at scale to deliver the things that consumers want value, price promo, yep. hunting for innovation, education, perhaps learning more about a brand, a product, a skew, things of that nature. So my question for you, Andrew, uh, my last question for you, and I'm sure he's got one more. Um, what, from your research, does in-store media offer to brands that are really seeking to reach um, consumers and messaging beyond Amazon? Because right now, most retail media dollars are going to Amazon. Obviously, everybody's trying to scale theirs out. Everybody's coming out with a new retail media platform. It's still very much out. What is the promise that in-store media offers omni-channel retailers to help brands reach consumers beyond just investing on Amazon? Yeah, Amazon is... Almost 80% of the retail media market today, which is almost exclusively digital, yeah. online, online digital. Um, if you want to move beyond Amazon, and everyone is, they're moving into digital platforms on Walmart and Target and Kroger and all the rest of them. But if you want to get incremental reach beyond that Amazon audience online, where are you going to do it? Stores. And, and it helps you really complete that full funnel marketing, which I think is the real promise of retail media, that it's reaching people across all these touch, touch points. But Amazon's not there yet. And listen, Amazon will be a force to be reckoned with as they build out that store footprint. And one advantage they have is they're building it from the ground up. So all these retail media things, they don't have to re retrofit their stores for it. 
but how many stores do they have? They had to slow down. And so it's going to take them years and years till they get to a footprint of, I don't know, 500 stores, whatever it is. It's still not going to give the same scale, but that gives them the depth of the data to do everything that they'll be able to do with, um, you know, in-store first-party data. So reading between the lines, what I hear you saying is there is a window of opportunity for omni-channel retailers with large physical store footprints to build out a meaningful network of solutions that will buttress them against the dominance of Amazon going forward. A hundred percent. Now is the time. This is the opportunity and there's, there's no time to waste. If I were a brick and mortar retailer, I'd be really thinking about two things to leverage my com- my competitive advantage against Amazon. How do I bring in my offline attribution data as quickly as possible, take advantage of the sales that Amazon can't provide today, or at least at the same scale for na- national brands? And two, how do I build out my in-store retail media network? Great advice coming straight from insights, yep. from talking to people and looking at other data sets. The last question of the CPG guys is typically what we call fast forward. By the way, we have another podcast coming with Brian Gildenberg, the third host of co-host of the CPG guys call. He's Fast our third Forward. wheel. He's the third wheel. <laughs> Did you hear that, Brian? Third wheel. You're the Just third wheel. Sorry. Don't call him that. We, we, all we do is take shots at each other. Have you, you, you've listened to this podcast, Andrew. You know that this is what we do. He hasn't engaged in the baseball banter yet because he doesn't no, have a team. team. Oh, that's true. Well, the so Red Sox nice. aren't really a team. They're a triple A team. I think they're going to do very that well. That we see eye to eye on. Yeah, we do. Not much, that, does it. that we do. I'm a White Sox fan, so oh, talk about un, un, talk about underperforming. Ouch! New manager, new life. There you go. <laughs> the White Sox has historically not really been competition, except for a year here, year there. Yeah, for the Yankees, so I'll leave them alone. Not one to pick on. Well, they've won a World Series more recently than the Yankees. The have, Yankees have 27. So before you all choose to say anything, <laughs> just shut up. Shut up. <laughs> be be be. Grow up. Grow some muscles, and then speak. That said. <laughs> Fast forward. So the question is a simple one. Is a third wave of retail media networks coming here as a result, which will really focus on the in-store model? And what should our audience look forward to in that third wave? Uh, well, it, the third wave, it's it's about the three growth vectors that I mentioned. Going up the funnel and streaming TV, offline attribution, and in-store media. In-store media is the furthest out. Uh, but if you ask me which is the biggest opportunity, if I play it forward, let's say 10 years time, mm-hmm. that could absolutely be the biggest one because the audiences are the biggest, the experiences are potentially the strongest. And I, I think that the advertising revenue that's going to flow in, it's going to take time for those budgets to move and unlock. But when it happens, when that inflection point happens in in-store media, watch out. The one thing I want to ask you, Andrew, why do you say 10? Because the strength of the merchandiser who really knows his or her store inside out and decides what gets on the shelf. Isn't this one of the strategic muscles to leverage like yesterday? Why 10 years? Why not 18 months? Because they were able to do it in tech without the knowledge. There's a lot of mechanical factors on the supply side that have to come into play. First, you've got to have the screens to proliferate. We're in the earliest days of that happening. So first, the screens have to light up. Then You need more surfaces. Yeah. Then, yeah. then you've got to start enabling the buys. Well, right now they're mostly direct buys. And so it's just kind of an analog way of doing it. You need to have some programmatic infrastructure. You need to have the measurement to prove things out. So these are all things that are going to have to materialize over, you know, five plus year time horizons. And when enough of those forces come into play at that moment, it's going to inflect. And that's when it's going to take off like a rocket ship. But being realistic, and I've seen mediums like podcast advertising, 
It's had a lot of the same mechanical difficulties along the way. Until some of those those enablers come into play, it, it, it just slows things down. The only thing I wanted to add there is I'll throw a challenge out. Andrew and we will throw a challenge out. Vendors, come on the show. Tell us why you need more than 18 months to actually get this scale going. Why isn't this a top priority? Andrew's report literally tells you of the three things he described, this is the single largest one. You take 10 years to do it. It's a next generation building this out. You, you take wait, 18 you, months to do it. Your generation, our generation is going to build it out. You wait 10 years. You know how many Amazon Fresh stores are going to be in the marketplace? I bet there's one in the next eight. I bet there's a wave coming from Amazon Fresh in the yeah. next 12 months. We don't yeah. know. I'm guessing. I don't know. The more they do in the next three years, the the more they build that long-term scale in the business. I, I, I know where there are three Amazon Fresh stores that have been built out in my area of Connecticut, and they're just waiting to start Ghost stocking stores. them with products. You know, they are. They're basically just sitting there. They haven't put the sign up, but if you look in the window and you've been in an Amazon Fresh store, you know what's coming. I want to remind our audience, um, please visit cpgguys.com where you can find all of our content uh, on 40-plus podcast platforms. And, of course, if you think your company has some thought leadership to contribute, and Sheree just made a call out to vendors that are in the retail, yeah, absolutely. retail media us, space, you know, drop us an email at contact at cpgguys.com, and maybe you can join us on this podcast to talk about this rapidly emerging segment of the retail media channel. Um, and, of course, while you're on cpgguys.com, please go uh, on the navigation bar at the top to ratings and reviews. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We want your feedback. We want to be able to determine the kinds of guests like Andrew that we invite on here to talk about interesting topics like retail media. So please do there. And, of course, to our 20,000-plus followers on LinkedIn, thank you for trusting us to be both educational and entertaining. Uh, we love doing this, and we uh, get such great feedback from you. So thank you for that. Um, hey, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today to talk about uh, in-store retail media and all the findings of your report. We're going to include in the digital liner notes a link to where people can learn more about getting their hands on this work. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, Shree, um, our favorite topic and an area that we've really just started to scratch the surface on. What were some of the key takeaways from uh, from our conversation with Andrew today? So I'll take it all the way from the top. We started with in-store audience is 70% larger than digital. Wow. Huge. Huge. And he, but he did acknowledge that the opportunity is nascent. Yeah. But the conviction, just like you and me, Peter, and Brian, for that matter, that it will scale, talked about the unreachables and the money demos. So uh, go back and listen to the episode, guys. Question number one, if you don't know still what the unreachables and the money demos are. Then we jumped into the report itself. We started getting into details. Audience measurement will always be important. And the sources which Andrew used were not just sources like Path to Purchase Institute, but also that he talked to people, 13 retailers, which I think is important because you get real live data straight from the heart. And then you asked a question about personalization. It is not the way to go here due to the complexity of making it personalized. Well, not yet, at least. Not yet. And we've, our challenge out to vendors is comment, tell us otherwise. And uh, leverage in-store media is mass media, but use the scale of the full ACV. ACV, of course, is all commodity volume, something I learned all the way back in my IRI days. The report was written with a brand mentality. 
potential for high quality I, I, I mass hear him, audience. I did hear him say that there would probably be a companion retailer yes. version coming out soon. So that'll, I'll look forward to that one. And Andrew will be back on the CPG guys to decompose the retail version of this. But then he did say the potential for high quality mass audience to reach the un- unreachables, the TV money demos, and then incorporating measurement and metrics, followed up by the fact that, again, reiterated, this is a medium that has scaled, millions of audience. We talked 100 million, 200 million. Yeah. Better than Super Bowl. Wow. I'll repeat it. Better than Super Bowl. And then the ability to really, if you start getting local, transfer from local TV dollar investments or connect it back to the store or transfer it to the store. That's what the future holds. Yep. And then there was a serendipitous moment. The word surfaces. Surfaces. That's our new hashtag. Hello, CPG guys, listeners. Oh, surfaces. Andrea, are you jealous? And so, um, why why is that the case? And what could these surfaces yield? What consumers are asking for based on the report? Value, price, promo. We chatted about innovation quite a bit. Amazon is eighty percent of our our amends. This is an opportunity for others to come into the pipe. And then I ask you, fast forward, third wave. Streaming TV has got action now. Uh, online, offline attribution has action now. And then you wrapped it up with conviction yet again. In-store media is the largest one. Vendors, get ready. Wow, that's a lot. Did you realize you said that much, Andrew? Wow, that's awesome. That's pretty. That's a great wrap-up. I like it. That's is why it, we have him here. Is, is, he's not just his podcast face. It's because he actually... I think he's plugged into ChatGPT. I think... Well, he. Uh, you know what? I'm wondering, if I put ChatGPT next <laughs> to me, could I get just as much, if not better, summaries <laughs> of our conversations? We'll have to put you to the test, right? I bet you two are wondering why I got up and... <laughs> Maybe I was taking the Yankee score from the spring training game today. All right. So, Shri, thank you, as always, for joining us uh, on today's episode. As, uh, and uh, make sure to grab some of the newly minted CPG Guys poker chips down at the table. We'll see what we can win with them. Probably nothing because they're not worth anything, but they look good. How about the cookies? Oh, the, we. Oh, yeah. We're also Andrew. Andrew's going to leave here with a uh, a customized CPG Guys Oreo cookie, courtesy of the people at Mondelez, um, the Oreo ID program. We went online, ordered them. So bye bye. Uh, and thank you, Fresh Four listeners. Thank, thank you. Thank you, CPG Guys listeners, Fresh Four listeners. We really appreciate it. Look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.